I hear if you watch one One Piece episode a day, you'll be done in 2022. Oh, I thought you said you'll be dead. <laughs> you'll be dead. I mean, you were. <laughs> it's like 400, right? <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> Poor Michelle. How long is it? Number of episodes. 953? I'm sorry. What the? You'll be. That's too many. That's far too many. Steve, have you seen every episode? Yes, I've seen every episode. Wow. Super duper, it's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where three writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And today we'd like to welcome to the show a storyboard artist and the co-host of the One Piece podcast, Tune Sweet Pod, as well as one of my personal favorite podcasts of all time, the currently in hiatus Deep End podcast. Please welcome to the show, Steve Yerko. Should also add, it's ironic that you don't know this, uh, former co-host of another Full Metal Alchemist <gasps> podcast. <laughs> we don't really? know this. It, That's it too, Brute. Oh, it was like 10 years ago at this point, so don't don't feel too bad. That actually goes into our question we ask <laughs> every time we have a brand new guest, which is, how did you get into Full Metal Alchemist? If you couldn't tell, it was watching the original series on Adult Swim back in 2005, I think is when we got it on TV. I heard murmurings of that series, but didn't know much about it. And then, of course, it took the U.S. by storm. That was a really popular series for teenagers that wanted to feel edgy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was like the popular edgy anime at the time. I don't want to say edgy, but it came at the right place, right time for a lot of people my age. One of my closest friends is a big FMA fan. And she was, like, swearing to me that the manga was great, the anime's trash. And I was like, well, I don't know. I watched the anime. I liked it. And she was trying to get me to just start reading that manga. And then once I finally did, <laughs> once you get once you get past a certain point, it was like, whoa, no, you were right. I was, I, I was, I was wrong. My mistake. Um, I still enjoy the original series, but it just gets too melodramatic. And you could obviously tell they're spinning their wheels and not knowing what to do with any of these characters. Before we get started on the episode itself, let's do our classic improvised recap. This is the moment in the podcast where one of us will do an improvised 21 second recap of what just happened in the episode. That is episode 29, The Struggle of the Foo. And whoever it is will be decided by the roll of a dice. If he lands on one, it'll be me. If he lands on two, it'll be Arthur. If he lands on three, it'll be Mike. If he lands on four, it'll be our guest, Steve. So let's roll the dice. Two. Uh, Arthur has been the one for. <laughs> Damn. Arthur's yeah. been going for like four episodes in a row. <laughs> yeah. Before that, it was Michelle for, I think, 10 episodes. Let's do it. All right. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So they they come out of the ground and what? They're in, they're in the central big command place. Uh, and then Envy sees Ed naked. And then uh, uh, they run into Ling slash greed by a phone booth and he's like here here's some paper and they take the paper to uh dr and- marco where this and and then there's a bunch <laughs> of injured people there and the two shingies princess girls fight each other and and then ed looks in his coat and he's like oh hey a gun the end the only thing i think you got wrong is you said it was dr marco but it's actually dr knox right mm. different different doctor but dr yeah, marco dr. is marco- in this episode and uh 
he's begging he's for death. It, he's in it long <laughs> enough to be like, oh, Scar, this is just positively ironic. It's the same vibe as flirting with someone. And then when they start flirting back with you, you're like, Ooh, I don't know if I want this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you get into an elevator and someone's like, oh, my God, you're. You're Arthur? I killed your mom. No way, man. I mean, kill me now. Real quick, just wanted to mention the people who wrote and directed this episode. This episode was directed by Daisuke Tsukushi. They are a veteran anime director. This is their only episode of A Metal Alchemist. And the writer is Seishi Minakami, and we already talked about them. They wrote Inside the Belly in several episodes after this one. This episode, we mentioned the Marco thing really quickly. They set that up in the middle of the episode. They kind of just drop it there. And then they're like, all right, um, we'll see you here in the post credit scene. <laughs> see you guys in like 15 minutes. Also, don't skip the, the ending like you usually do. Because if you do, you will miss a very important scene. Which I think made no sense. This I was episode like, was weird. It really felt like we were getting little bits and pieces of five different storylines and they all advanced just a smidge. Yeah, do we, do we want to talk about that post credits right now? Because... I mean, that is, I, I would say that is the most important scene in the episode. With the tiny little... <laughs> little okay, forget. <laughs> if you like Baby Yoda, you're going to hate Baby Gluttony. They were kind of being like, oh, we need a reason to give get on this flashback. And I wonder, is it like this in the manga, Steve? Do they go like, okay, we have like, the next volume is just going to be flashbacks. And we need a reason to get, get into these flashbacks. I don't, I don't have my manga volumes on me, so I... I can't give you an exact explanation, but I know like the Ishvalan war flashback is practically like an entire volume. Mm -hmm. Right. And they had to condense that into an episode, which I think some people were bummed out about at the time. But I think for the most part, they got a lot in there. If not, I think there's also been some other things that happened in that volume sprinkled throughout Brotherhood. It's it's still like it, it gets all the points across. I was going to ask you, Steve, as a storyboard artist yourself, you... I think you're working for Netflix right now. Mm -hmm. Does doing this professionally change the way you watch anime and other animation in general? <laughs> and like, I'm sure it does, but how? <laughs> My past experience, I haven't gotten to work on things quite like Full Metal Alchemist or a whole lot of anime in general. But I think when there's any kind of like action sequence, that's when like I could I could flex my my weebness. <laughs> I, I definitely think now, because I've only been a board artist for about four years, but now going back and watching shows and I'll point out like, oh, I, I love the way this is framed here. Like, this is a really good and like and that comes from the, the board artist. So like, there's definitely new things to appreciate. But mm -hmm. I, I think for the for the most part, I wouldn't say uh, I do feel this from time to time, but. Not everything I watch hasn't been completely ruined for me by my profession. Like, <laughs> that's that's nice. Yeah, like the Great Wizard Oz hasn't been revealed behind the curtain just yet. Right. So <laughs> I I like that I could still watch a lot of anime and just tune out and just enjoy it for what it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just thought of something and I'll put some friends on blast, but uh, <laughs> I don't care. I think one of the worst things is watching a show that your friends worked on and it's like, watching through like a family slideshow of their vacation <laughs> oh, no. because if they're super into it, no one will shut up and they talk about who did what and who drew what, who drew this prop and all that. And I'm like, can I watch the goddamn show? <laughs> Please. Like, no, like, it, pausing it, it, in, like zooming in on a beer bottle. 
Yeah, it's like I hey I appreciate oh, yeah. this commentary. There's it's a great. funny ha- story behind this beer bottle. Right it's here, like right? I it's like, oh the beer bottle is on screen for like yeah. two seconds. I don't give a shit. I want to hear. <laughs> oh, can I hear the story, please? Like yeah. Like, yeah, it's funny because any story that's coming from an animator or artist animating is going to be. I was sitting in front of my computer and then. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you've seen like videos of uh, like disney feature film board pitches and stuff for and and this is still like a style of pitching that's done but i've never done it because i've mostly just worked on scripted shows but you know they they got like the the pointer stick and they're going through each panel and they're acting it out everyone's laughing no i sit in front of a wacom tablet for <laughs> eight hours that does seem fun though what you just described before this <laughs> no, oh it was great I, I would love to do something like that haven't had the chance yeah. but when you when you have a show, because this is an actual show, like they pitch it as an action show. If you see the opening, you guess that everyone's fighting all the time. And I was thinking, is this like a, a storyboard artist's dream, or is it a nightmare where you have to put your brain into overdrive? Interesting. It depends on the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather work on an action sequence than everything, uh, just like a bunch of talkies. <laughs> That's not necessarily a term. That's just the first thing that came to mind. The talkies. Uh, because <laughs> just drawing a bunch of characters being stagnant, which you shouldn't do, that could be grueling. And that could, I could burn out real quick from doing that. But also, like, when you're doing just a lot of conversation scenes, like, and if you're allowed to do some dynamic shots and like that, you could, you can make it look interesting. And I'm, I'm pretty sure this episode did that. But I think there's, there's a lot of great stuff to work with here, too. Like, uh, the scene with Al and, Knox with uh, the photo of his family. I really enjoy the scene with uh, Lan Fan and uh, Mei Chan. Chan, right? Or is it Chang? Chang, I think. Chang, okay. It's It's been a while. It's been a while. Eh, uh, the people that know, know. Uh, like, <laughs> scenes like that are really cute. The scene with uh, Roy talking with uh, Hawkeye and Armstrong in the car, that's at least interesting in itself because that's just like a different setting and you know, with Roy, like kind of just like resting his arm up on the uh, on the window there. There's right. there's some cool shots you could do. That was a cool shot. I find it funny you mentioned those side characters because this episode is basically side character extravaganza, and it's kind of making this argument for the Eric brothers as secondary characters on everyone else's story, which is something every show kind of has to do at some point or tries to do at some point because you can't really have your show be focusing on the same character 24-7. You can, of course, if you plan it out early and all that, but at some point, everybody tries to be like, all right, let's do an episode where the the main characters take a break. Let's focus on these ones. Let's focus on these ones. Because at some point, you just have to like kind of like relax the tension a little bit. And I feel like this was the best argument for FMA side characters as interesting figures in their own, with a very key exception, in my personal opinion. Steve, I want to know what you think of the panda character. Not one of the most memorable little mascot animal characters in anime, in my opinion, but yes. is is this like a point of contention for some people? Um, Surprising <laughs> amount of contention. The to be panda. honest, I, I kind of forgot about the panda. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> one of the things I like about the manga and Brotherhood over the original series is how like seamless it's able to weave in its humor. And it doesn't tonally clash. Hmm. The original anime had some humor here and there, but then they kind of just 
they made it exclusive to just filler episodes where they just adapted the gag strips at the end of like each volume. It gets to the point where the original series is devoid of any humor. And it gets to be a drag. <laughs> so I I love that out of nowhere, like Alphonse could all of a sudden just be this like crude, simplified drawing of himself, maybe doing noodle arms. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's great. I like that it, there's a balance in this show. Mm-hmm. We've talked quite a bit about that. My opinion has fluctuated a bit. There are moments I don't like the the humor of the show. There are moments I do like the humor of the show. There are moments where I just kind of wanted them to be like, like just be quiet for a moment. It, it, I mean, I think that's just a personal thing. I don't think I'll ever really come to grips with that. It's like any Marvel Cinematic Universe movie these days where everyone has yes. to like be quippy and no one could just like be serious for a moment because everyone's going to be afraid that they're going to get made fun of for taking something serious. Right. Well, yeah, yes. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you got it. <laughs> Wait, thank you so much because now I have the perfect comparison. It is like that. It's like the Buffy thing. It's the Buffy formula. You know, that's what that's what's his yeah. name. It's oh, Joss it's it's it's, it's it's Whedonisms. Yeah, Whedon speak, right? I feel like that's offensive to Buffy. Buffy knew when to stop. But did Xander? <laughs> <laughs> I first picked up on it in Age of Ultron, where you have like Black Widow riding on a motorcycle, and she's like, "Excuse me, pardon me, coming through." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's like th- yeah. this country's being elevated in the air." Like, <laughs> yeah. come on, excuse lady. me, excuse me. Yeah, it feels so clinically inserted in a way that's like it's so scared of of being like genuinely cool or well or serious in any way. It has to be like, oh, they fly now or whatever. Okay. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I'm you sorry. Have to think I hate that so much. But what's the opposite of that is like a Zack Snyder, like, whoa, God, this is too heavy. It's just superheroes. Everybody relax. Well, that's too self-serious. <laughs> yeah, too it's far. It's not backed up. Anything. I would rather have the Snyder self-seriousness because at least he doesn't undermine his own uh, his own objectives. Oh, no, I would not. I would not. No, I disagree. For those listening at home, remember, Michelle hates the panda and loves Batman versus Superman. <laughs> May I just suggest, just rest comfortably in the middle, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Yes. Yes, Sam. It's Sam Raimi. <laughs> Sam Raimi. Oh, that those are great. Those are so good. I'm really glad this episode finally took the time to do the one thing that I think Full Metal Alchemist rarely does, which is ask the question, you know, if you have a problem with the military and you think their actions are bad, why don't you fucking quit? You know? Yeah. It's like... Yeah. So that, that, was, that was one of the more interesting scenes to me too poor colonel armstrong oh my gosh but it's probably the reason he's still a major is because he refused to fight in ishval major armstrong his only regret is that he did not fight back to protect those innocent people so major armstrong the only good alchemist i guess what a nice guy what a what a great person and there's also that moment right after where roy he has this line which I kind of think there was a bit of a tone whiplash where the show kind of, not fully, but kind of tries to frame it as this fuck yeah line where Roy is like, you know, they can call me a weapon or a mass murderer, but I've never felt more human than when I fight real monsters. This guy is so completely empty inside. I think we are approaching the point, and not quite, but we are approaching the point at which Mustang has a turn towards the more ethical side. Maybe he stayed quiet too long. There's something in there. I, I don't want to say too much more before next episode. Yeah, thinking back, definitely his character's, uh, his his career is his life. There's no deep meaning to his actions like Ed and Al trying to get their bodies back because they missed their mom and a lot of other things. But yeah, Roy just, 
Roy just wants to have the highest position possible and and bring his entourage in there too to fill out the cabinet. So you know, it felt like a big reset. This episode felt like a total like okay, well, we got to the center of this mystery. We got there, and um, now what? Yeah, we we could we couldn't do anything. We got there and we couldn't do anything. I was thinking before that this episode feels a lot like a debriefing. <laughs> uh, yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna get this Ishval flashback. And then we're heading into the next arc of this story. Right. The direction of the action is going to really change. But the we talked about this a lot in, in school. We talked about, right, make sure that, you know, your work contains scenes of aftermath in them, you know? Yeah. You know, sequences of aftermath, like whole, like, like explore what the consequences and what the fallout is of what's when something bad or good happens, you know? Or anything happens. And to me, the best scene of Aftermath in this episode was the last shot of the episode before the post-grad scene, which is after Ed helps out this random lady and she says thanks and he goes, no problem. And then there's a shot of him walking down the street where honestly, for a moment, I was like, that's not Ed because he seems taller than usual. Mm. He seems like an actual adult. What you're noticing is something that I think is really cool. And that is that Ed grows up visibly from season to season. Yeah, it's something I didn't quite pick up on too, like when I was watching it. And then when I realized it, I was like, holy crap. Like it It's really cool. I mean that that's kind of how it is with aging sometimes. If like it's like a constant, you're not picking up on it because it's something slowly happening. But I think it's it's gonna be more obvious later, but yeah, we're 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 But even now that. he's a different character model than when we first met him. That's really cool. Yeah, animation all the time, you know, like in TV, the idea is to keep your characters static as much as possible. So it's like the Simpsons never change, you know, and in animation, you could do that so easily. But the show is all about like bringing these characters through like an an arc. And so they're they are changing. You know, that's really neat. That's what television does best. That's a good point, too. (laughs) I have a big question, but before I lead into that question, I have to read you guys something. And that means it's time to bring on the classical music. And now it's time for First Take Theater, reading actual posts from people who watched the show as it aired. Naked Ed was great. I think they should make a full penis alchemist gag. Don't know what that one means. Other than that, pretty good episode. They will finally be revealing what happened in the Ishabal War in the next episode. It was already ridiculously annoying to hear every freaking second, oh gosh, in the Ishabal War, my scenes are terrible, blah, 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 from the people of the military. <laughs> finally. Yeah. What a jerk. Yeah, PTSD. <laughs> bitch, what bitch, 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 bitch. I don't know who that is, but what a jerk. God. This is clearly a teenager. <laughs> and that was First Take Theater, proving that when it comes to hot takes, there's nothing like the first. But yeah, the reason I read that, apart from it being uh, very like, how dare you have feel emotions about wee, that? Wee, wee. I feel bad about genocide. <laughs> wee, wee, wee. <laughs> the question I had is, why do you guys think this episode is called Struggle of the Fool? Yeah. 
Anybody? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, gotta I take. got nothing. I, I think it's because, you know, the, the protagonist, Ed, Roy, are fucked. <laughs> they just, they, they realize now, like, there's this literal underbelly uh, within, like, our nation's capital. There's this scheme going on. And our hands are tied. There's nothing we could do about it. We're forced to just carry on with our lives. We and are they're fools. struggling to figure out, like, well, what what can we do? Like, how can we overcome this? And, of course, with Ed, he's like, he discovers, like, hmm, there's this other form of alchemy that could be of use to me. Or that could be huge help for getting my body back. So, uh, what can I do? I th- maybe that's it. I mean, you know, or or maybe it's uh, about, really about the panda. Maybe the panda's know? the fool. Yeah. Maybe the panda's really struggling in all of this, you know? Like, what? why is he even here? What is he even, what can he even really do? Or maybe it's greed. Greed's the fool. Or maybe it's all of, maybe it's all yeah. of this, you know? Okay, maybe... but I do want to talk about greed. Mike, you talked last episode about how you really didn't like how Ling was like, yeah, just do it, and greed was created. But I think now he is starting to become a little more interesting as this right. being who is kind of both of them, uh, and Ling will occasionally you know burst out are you feeling better about this now i am i am feeling a little better about that i i think it's good that i guess that ling still has some kind of agency in his own life you know i thought that he was basically trading away his agency for an item that he wouldn't then no longer be able to use because he had no agency but um maybe yeah i i think this is a little bit more interesting so i thought it was really funny when he handed Long find the towel when they when they showed us what the towel said. Michelle goes, "New phone, who dis?" <laughs> <laughs> that paper is a sign that like maybe greed is not so much as in control as he thinks he is. Like, or maybe it's not so much of a one sided thing as greed makes it seem. Right, but also he's sort of working together with Ling. Like he didn't. Right, Ling did not force him to bring that to. He to asked. The guys. Not as bad of a guy as as the others. He's got his own little code. Greed doesn't fight women. Greed <laughs> never tells a lie. I like <laughs> the way he said that. One. He's like, I don't fight women. He didn't say, I don't fight women. He said, <laughs> he, you know, he, he was a qualifier. Oh, Mike. There's a guess Clearly here, Mike. <laughs> oh, what? no, I was I, 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 I was just counting down. I just, it's like, oh, what do we think about greed? And I'm like, how long till someone calls him a daddy? I know this is going <laughs> to. I mean, come on. That's <laughs> 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 fair. No, that's fair. And Mike. Yeah. Since you took the stage, it's time for you to take the bat to guess what happens in the next episode in Mikey at the Bat. This is the moment in the podcast where Mike guesses what happens in the next episode based only on the name of the episode and the thumbnail. Mike, could you please describe the thumbnail? Uh, the Ishvalan War of Extermination, and uh, it's... I wonder, what, like that's, I wonder what that's all about. Yeah, yeah I, wonder what this, I wonder what could happen. <laughs> Tell us what's oh, going to happen. Well, there's a bunch of Ishvalans, and they're raising their fists in the air, and one guy's got his arms crossed like, I'm not raising my fist in the air. <laughs> Everyone else is like, do it! The Ishvalan War of Extermination. I assume this is going to be a, a little bit of a flashback episode. Mm. Are the Ishvalans going to make it out okay? I don't, I don't you know what, I'm not... <laughs> I wouldn't... <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> you know, oh. but maybe, hopefully, through it all, we'll we'll leave a little sadder, but a little bit wiser. I think. 
We also should learn why the why the alchemy in Ishval is different. We need to start. We need to get at least get a hint of that in this next Ooh, episode. That's a good. That's a good thing. And now that Mike has made his guess, it's time for us to grade the episode, giving it a score between one and five stars. I'm gonna go ahead and get it started by saying I'm gonna give this uh, three stars. I thought it was a middle of the road episode. There was a lot of good and there was a lot of bad. There was still a lot to enjoy about it. I'm gonna give this one three and a half. I liked it. I thought there were good moments. It wasn't. It didn't have that cohesion that I think the very best episodes of this show have. I enjoyed a lot of it. it had some great moments. We got to see Scar putting his hand inside of a dog. Right. That was weird. Yeah. What was? Yeah, it's strange. <laughs> Three stars, because I completely agree with you. It's sort of middle of the road. You know, it didn't really need to be, you know, we've had so much crazy stuff happening. It was kind of nice to have a three-star episode where we just sort of touch base with everyone and have to reassert things, you know. I think that's Yeah, just kind of chill episode, just like. It was good. It was interesting, but it it wasn't like, oh, my God, (laughs) you know. I think I'm also going to give it a three out of five. Um it's a, it's a reset for Ed and Roy figuring out what their next plan of action is going to be. Uh, we finally get interaction with Mei Chang with uh, with Ling's crew, and I also like the the little bit with uh, Doctor Knox and. Uh, oh yeah, he's a winner at the S episode. Mm-hmm. And it's a great cliffhanger, just leaving you with uh, oh well. Let me tell you all about Ishfall. So it's like it leaves you clamoring for more. And if you don't want to get stabbed in the leg, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's FM, the word analyst, on Twitter. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. We love to see those. I want to thank our guest, Steve Yerko, for coming. Steve, thank you so much. It was such an honor, and it was such a joy to have you here. Please plug your social media. Sure. It was it was super nice to go back and revisit Full Metal. It's, it's been a while, and I think, I'm, I think I'm about to do a rewatch. This, this made me feel nostalgic for the early days of podcasting. But you could follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's just Steve Yurko. That's my name. It's super easy to find me. And if you're curious of the other podcasts I do, I am on the One Piece podcast. You can assume what we cover on there. And I also do uh, a wrestling podcast all about the entrance themes. It's called Toon Sweet. And before you go... We have a thing we like to do with our guests. Can you please give us your best full metal alchemist, just like the interstitials? <laughs> full metal alchemist. We'd also like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. If you want to check that out, go to fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. But do be warned, there are spoilers on the Tumblr. That'll be all for now. We'll see you all next time on Full Metal Analyst. Until then, stay frosty. Bye. Bye.